up a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show, Season 3, Episode 11. Today's podcast is brought to you by BooklaunchMentor.com. If you've ever dreamed of writing and actually publishing your story, you'll find all the mentoring you'll need to fulfill that book launching dream at BooklaunchMentor.com. Um, things are filling up fast for the next mentoring intensive, so uh, jump on over there and see what the status is, and I would sure love to meet you in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and help you to write and launch. Well, I won't write the book for you. You have to do that yourself, but I will help you as much as I can to get that book out into the world. Before we get into today's show, I'd like to highlight the iTunes review of the week. And today's is um, another short one, but sweet by uh, Randy Wolf. He says this, Mary DeMuth is wonderful. She has a unique way of drawing out stories from others and realizing that we are all part of God's story. Thank you, Randy. And I, I do so much agree with what you said, not about how awesome I am, but um, although I'm glad that God has created me the way I am, so that's cool. But I'm really, what I wanted to say was I'm so grateful that you see that we're all a part of God's redemptive story. And that's something, that's a truth that we all need to live within. I'd appreciate it too. If you'd be like Randy and do me a quick favor and run on over to iTunes and do a, a review. And if uh, it pops up, I will put it here on the Restory Show. So I would just really appreciate it. It won't take much time at all. And also, if you could just share the Restory Show with your friends. If this particular one has blessed you, then pass it on to a friend. I would really appreciate it. That's how people find it. And one of my goals in 2017 is to really grow the audience of the Restory Show. So I can't do that without you. And I really am relying on you for your support. Also, if you'd like to share a story with the Restory Show listeners, just go ahead and go to marydemuth.com and find the little microphone on the right-hand side and record an up-to-two-minute story about how God has restoried you. I would love to hear from you. It would be great. Um, today, I am welcoming Jeanette Hanscom to the Restory Show, and she and I have known each other several years via writing, and she is an amazing person. She is uh, she is blind. She's legally blind. And yet she is one of my most favorite people to talk to. She's just got a great heart. And um, she's gone through some hard times and yet has just come through shining as gold on the other side. And so she has a great uh, restory story today. And I would just love for you to meet her. So without further ado, here is Jeanette Hanscom. Hey, everyone. It's Mary Demuth of the Restory Show, and I am so happy to have my friend Jeanette Hanscom on with me. And uh, we I'm trying to think, Jeanette, how we've lo- known each other for a really long time, and I'm sure that we probably met at a writer's conference. Do you think that's right? I'm, I just can't yeah. remember. We, were, we met at Mount Hermon. That's okay. That's what I was thinking. And the time that we really, I think, really connected was when you took my author photos. Yes, that was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was in 2010. And I, I was actually, I was looking at them yesterday because I was trying to remember exactly when it was. And so I was looking for the date. Right. And and I thought, oh my gosh, that was a long, such a long time ago, and that was so much fun. In fact, if I if I hadn't cut my hair short since then, I would still use those pictures. I hear you. I I uh, was just using. I took a, a picture of an agent, Steve Lobby, and he's still using his picture. And he emailed me and he said, I probably need new pictures, but I really like that picture. So they're nice. They were really well done. It was fun. I I love to take pictures of people. So for those of you on the Restory Show, it's one of my side hobbies. And 
uh, my daughter Sophie and I are actually going to do our first wedding in a, in October, which will be fun and scary. Fun. Yeah. That's kind of an important event versus an author photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jeanette, give us a little bit of background about how you grew up and, you know, where you are today, and then we'll dive into your story. I am, um, I'm a mom of two, well, one, one adult son and one teenager. And I grew up in the Bay Area, mostly in the Bay Area. And I am the oldest of three girls. My poor dad had this household of all women. And we, I really had a, um, you know, I don't think it's until we're an adult that we realize what a, um, you know, really how blessed we were as, as kids. You know, I, I was one of those fortunate children who grew up in a Christian home, was really introduced to Jesus from the time I was born. I, I believe that I was in the nursery when I was uh, about 10 days old. <laughs> I was the first baby dedicated in the new church building and, and accepted Jesus when I was five. I remember sitting on my bed with my mom and asking Jesus to write my name in his book. <laughs> and, you know, grew up in Sunday school and really shocked when I found out that not everybody went to church on Sundays and that not everybody believed in God. I just didn't even fathom that. And and it was baptized when I was 13. So I think when I when I was a young adult, I started to think that I had kind of a boring testimony. I just thought, you know, what do I have? What was my before Christ life really like? I don't really... But when I look back on other things that, you know, other details about my growing up years, I realized what a gift it was that I had that foundation of faith and this legacy of faith in my family because I, I grew up knowing God loved me and I grew up knowing that he had a plan for me because I was born visually impaired and I was the only, um, I was actually the first visually impaired student at my elementary school. I kind of started school and they didn't really know what to do with those of us who couldn't, who, who weren't quite, you know, blind enough to go to the blind school, but <laughs> and provided a little extra work for a regular classroom teacher. And so I think I grew up feeling like I was different and like I didn't fit. I was the only one in kindergarten who couldn't see, who couldn't, I couldn't learn my colors because I don't see in color. And so I just really kind of grew up with a lot of insecurities. And I, and on top of that, I was very imaginative. So I think I was sort of weird. (laughs) (laughs) I see that now. I was weird. And when I thought I was, and so I, my, my self-esteem, I think, was very low. And so when I got into my dating years, you know, I would pretty much date anybody who asked me out, which wasn't always a good thing. And, you know, when I got married, I I don't think I ever really considered whether or not I was marrying God's, you know, best man for me. I just got married. And so um, so I've had a, um, a really blessed growing life and really, but, and, but I, I look back and see that there's a lot, there were a lot of, um, a lot of struggles with self-esteem and self-worth that he's had to work on. I've got to have to work on. So, like, just give the listeners a little bit of an idea of your vision issue. Like, can you drive a car? Can you, what do, What can you see? What can't you see? How does that work for you? I see in um, shades of gray. Um, I have a very rare vision problem called achromatopsia. It's only about 1 in 33,000 people have it. You're so special. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so unique. <laughs> and one of my sisters has it as well. Really? So oh, once, wow. Yeah, once it pops up families, then um, there are often more than, there's often more than one sibling 
with it. So Sherry and I both have this vision problem, and then my youngest sister, Christy, has perfect vision. So she's the only one to drive, and um, we're very sensitive to bright light. And so I can't, I really can't see out in bright sunlight hours without sunglasses on. And I'm considered legally blind. So it was, um, and the thing because they don't, it's so rare, eye doctors don't always detect it right away. So I spent the first several years of life with a vision problem that no one really had a name for and that my parents really didn't know, you know, much about. And so... Um, they were just happy to find out that it, when they found out it was not progressive. Oh, right, right. I mean, it might get worse with age, just like the rest of us have eye yeah. issues as we age, but it's not like, oh, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. No, no. And, and the vision I have now is the vision I've always had, so I didn't have to adjust to being being um, visually impaired. I, I've always um, had poor vision, so that's just sort of my normal. That's your normal thing. That's what you've always known. Yes. Yeah. And so my boys, I, my two sons, you know, grew up with a mom who can't drive. And, but I think they also, it's been good for them in some ways because they, you know, grew up watching me survive and learn how to adapt. Right. That's awesome. So, um, the story, what is the story that you want to share today with the Restory Show listeners? Well, um, several years ago, so it was actually in 2011, our, I had a life changing, just a completely life changing event that turned really my life upside down. In a lot of ways, back up a little bit. When and my husband, my husband and I married in 1988, and then we moved to Nevada in 1998. That's a weird story behind how we ended up there. It's a story for another time. But we um, ended up in Nevada, where my youngest son Nathan was born, and really had established our lives there at a church where I was very involved in worship and and and. I don't think I knew how stressful our life really was. Because mm, you're in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we are really had, I mean, from the time we moved, uh, it's like stress and crisis met us at the border. <laughs> but, you know, my husband had a lot of health problems. He had a heart attack when he was 38 and, and spent a lot of time out of work because of health problems. And, and I think that I became the really took on a lot of, had to take on a lot of responsibility because of that. And, and I think because I'd grown up in adapting to, adapting to my vision limitations, I think I just thought it was one more challenge. Be like, hey, look what I can do. In some ways, I look back now and I probably wrapped a little bit of my identity up into my ability to handle so much. Look what she can do. She makes her own bread and she's handled all the finances. And, and well, then in um, 2011, my husband left. We had, I had made, we had spent about a year working through some really serious issues and, and he was asked, actually asked to move out of our home in April 2011, supposedly temporarily, so he could, we could just work on these issues and, and he could get counseling and, but instead he ended up leaving town a couple of months later. Wow. And yeah, it was just, um, and you know, I found out via email that he was leaving, leaving town and didn't want to be married anymore. And I still remember sitting in, I was in a hotel room. I was on vacation with my parents and my sisters. And, and I remember sitting there and realizing life is never going to be the same. This is, this is, this is the moment when, when everything changes. And, and I, and this dawned on me, I can't drive. Yeah. 
I'm going to be a single mom. I can't drive. I can't. I, I, I was a I was a freelancer. I was writing and editing and teaching. And, and I said, I have a feast or famine income. How I, I had no idea if he was going to send me. I had no idea, if we, you know, what the future was going to hold. And so I just kind of had to jump in and, and do what I had to do. And my, I was really blessed in that I had a very supportive church. They just rallied around me and my boys. I had, I, and I um, know now that that is very rare to have such support during the divorce and my my church family really was an example of how to how to support someone through a crisis and how to support a single mom they provided transportation they helped in so many ways and 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 i just kind of jumped into survival mode i just um um i i I, one good thing that happened was that i had had a tendency to to struggle with depression and that just, I didn't have time to depress. People ask me, you know, how did you get through that without sinking into depression? I said, I have no idea. I, it, I, I don't know. I think I just knew it wasn't an option. That if I went down that road, I, I wasn't going to mean any good to anybody. And that my boys needed a parent, needed someone to be strong. And, but eventually, you know, we were, I was going through a divorce, I was going through bankruptcy, through losing our house. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of things at once. <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot. It was so. Um, it was just kind of one thing after another, and so about after about a year and a half of just really trying to make it on my own as a single mom with my church's help, I knew that I couldn't really live like that forever, and unless I wanted to live in a really bad part of town in a crummy apartment, <laughs> I, I I just couldn't. And so my parents had been wanting me to move back to the Bay Area. For ever since, I think they wanted to kidnap me the day that I got the email saying I <laughs> that my husband was leaving. And so I took them up on their offer to live with them. And my oldest son had a job, so he decided to stay behind. And my young- so that was really hard. It was another loss. It was leaving him behind. Was just- wow. <laughs> oh, so just I can't even describe how difficult that was. And and but knowing he was an adult and he needed to make that choice. And so Nathan and I moved back to my childhood hometown, thankfully not to my childhood bedroom. I think that would have been really depressing. And I'm, you know, my, thankfully my parents didn't have a basement for me to move into. <laughs> but um, it was back to my, um, you know, my, the same town where I'd grown up and, and got to reconnect with my sisters. And in some ways it was so needed. We needed a new start. I, I, I think I was exhausted. I didn't have, I was going to run. I think I would have burned out. If we continue, if I continued um, at the pace that I was running on, and um, and so I mean, I remember a couple of weeks after moving back, I was at my old high school hmm. at a basketball game watching my nephew. Weird. And then having to just rebuild my life and and find a new church and and find my place at a at a much larger church after after being very active at my old one. And um, I consider the friends that I made after I moved very special people because they basically met me at my neediest and least impressive <laughs> and still let me hang out with them and still loved me. And, and so God kind of slowly helped me rebuild my life and and come out of survival mode. And he had an, 
um, I'm not sure if anyone else has ever had a had an experience like this where you feel like you don't know what it's like. You don't really know how to live a normal life. Like, wow, I've been living in in crisis mode for so long that I don't even know how to live just a stress stress free life. I did. It was very foreign to me to just um, have a just not have so much responsibility. And and um, so then in 2015, I had an opportunity to write a devotional book for single moms. And I had to, I had a six month deadline. Wow. <laughs> so crazy. I, um, I know it was crazy, but I think it was good for me because I didn't have any choice but to just lock myself in my room and, and write it. There was no procrastinating. I had just, but it also meant reliving that whole season and and I think that's when I realized how hard it had been, and that's when I realized how how what a um, what my sons and I had lost, and and what they had, and how much we'd survived, and what we'd left behind, and and um, I got mad all over again, or probably actually probably for the first time, and um, sad over things all over again, and. And I remember writing the chapter where I, we left town and left Christian behind and I had to call a prayer partner and say, I can't write this. I can't write this. And, and so, but it was also an opportunity to really see God's grace and how good he was and how faithful he'd been and um, how much support we'd had and, and to see that, wow, I had never, I really hadn't seen myself as a very strong person. But I, I was reading my own experiences and going, oh, I guess I can stop seeing myself as a wimp now. <laughs> and also seeing just, you know, God's ability to strengthen us through the through events that we really, really shouldn't be, I, were more than we would have thought possible. And that you can only credit him and that, and that I had an opportunity to move forward. And to build a new life, and and but a very strange thing happened as I was getting ready to turn my manuscript in, and I think this is when kind of God started, I think, restoring the story, and that is um, I started I, I dreaded I started dreading turning the manuscript in, and it wasn't the usual oh no everyone's gonna hate it it's not perfect yet you know the usual insecurities that we go through it was this sense that turning in the manuscript meant I had to let go of that story. Wow. Yeah, it, and that I had wrapped a lot of my identity up in being the, um, the wounded and abandoned single mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that it would not be a good thing to make that my identity. And that it was time to find out who I was apart from all that. And that was really, really scary. I, I, um, that I had to, that it was going to take a lot of courage to move out of crisis mode and, um, to move out of, out of all the stress and, and let God show me what he had next. And so I had to just hit send <laughs> and see what God had next. And, and I think that was a kind of a step forward. For me, and and I was able to recognize that God had used a book that I was intending to write 
to encourage and offer help to other people, and he had used it to heal me and help me move forward. I have often said that every book I've written has been God's avenue of healing me, and so I can see that pattern that he's using in your life as well. Yeah, and I didn't, and I didn't expect it. You know, I was just writing it and, and writing the stories and being as authentic as I could and, and then seeing that, for, you know, God had another purpose. And that also he had a purpose in allowing me to write it when I did because technically, if you look at the timeline, I probably was writing it a little too soon. After the event, I was very close to, he left in 2011, my divorce was final in 2013, and I wrote the book in 2015. Yeah. But I think I really needed to be, because God is, was going to use it as part of the, my healing process, I, I needed to write it that soon. I think I needed to be very close to that, to, to the event, and, um, and be able to see his hand of, of grace and, and, um, so I'm really thankful that things lined up that way. And that's the the beauty of Jesus is that he loves us enough to help us to heal in a the timeline that works best for us. And it's not the same for everybody else. And God might not be calling the listener who's listening to this to go write a book so she can be healed. No. Um, but, but he will use something and something in, in your life he will use to heal you. And it's usually unexpected. Like you mentioned, it was unexpected. You didn't expect that that would be the avenue, but that God's always at work and he uses these weird unexpected avenues to heal us. Yes. So as you look back on the impact of the book, what kind of feedback have you received about the message of Suddenly Single Mom? I have... Um... What's really surprised me is when people say that they feel like it's not necessarily a book just for single moms, that they see it more as a book about overcoming and dealing with life-changing events, and that it was really for, could, could be applicable to anyone who's going through something where their life is turned upside down and they have to make the best of things, and they have to make that decision of this is either going to ruin me or it's going to bring out life's best, and so what do I want? Um, what do I what what do I want the results of this to be? What, how do I want God to use this? And and um, and I also have found that people have been encouraged by watching me or reading about the the way that my friends supported me. They said that they have had people say uh, that it's inspired them to be more sensitive and be less judgmental. And so to me, that, that's huge. I feel like in some ways it's my story and it's my church family story because they get to be an example of, of how to, an example of how to uh, support and how to be kind. And instead of, you know, being an example of how not to do things. <laughs> so that's, that was uh, really a huge blessing to be able to go back to them and say, you have no idea how you're inspiring people. Well, it definitely was. I mean, I I had the privilege of reading the book, and I would definitely say that that it's it's help for people who have gone through some sort of catastrophe that they did not expect. <laughs> uh, and I think that's uh that's defines all of our lives at one point or another. We all have these things that like come on, and usually it's out of left field. And one of the things I've been thinking about lately is all of that work that you do um, in the quietness of your life, the, the scripture that you memorize, the worship songs that you sing, the quiet moments you have with God, all of that is preparation for the next disaster. And if you have worked on that and you have good community like you do, it's like 
preparation for something. And so for those who are just frustrated or like, does it even matter that I'm faithful to God? Yes, it does. Because your faithfulness today is this down payment you make on the future ability that you'll have in enduring a trial that will inevitably come. Yeah, that's true. And another thing I I learned was that um, I had, for, for the first time in 2015, I chose a verse for the year. And I, I chose Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, you know, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past because I am doing a new thing. And I chose that before I got my book contract and before I started writing the book and before I started really reflecting on all that God had done. And, and I realized how amazing God was in just in prompting me to choose that verse because in having to relive the past, that helped me move forward into his new thing. And that I learned that being able to fully embrace and enjoy the new thing God has for us, that means we have to let go of the old things. And but not but make sure that we hold on to the lessons and what we've gained and what we've learned and and realizing that we will never be the same. But that but that doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing. Right. And one of the things I've noticed too, and, and this is, I'll just preach it to myself and I won't assume it for you, but you did mention it a little bit. So it, it does fit in. You can preach it to me. It's just that we, when we're in crisis or we're in trauma, it, it weirdly becomes our comfort zone and it becomes our, that's just, we, like you said, you didn't even know you were in the middle of it when it was happening, but then you stepped out of it and you had a choice to make of whether you're going to stay in it or not. And, and so for those going through trauma right now, I just want to assure them that there will come a day when you will have a decision to make on, you know, when you go through it, you have people helping you, you, you know, you cling to Jesus and all of that. Sometimes you run away, all those things can happen, but there will be a time where you need to make a decision on am I going to allow this trauma to be my comfort zone or am I going to, like you said, let go of something old so that I can embrace something new? And so do you have any, I'm going to get back to my last two questions, but this is a good one. Do you have any advice for someone walking through trauma right now and what can they do in the midst of it? And then how can they move on after that? Um, I would say that for those who are going through it right, right now, is to you know pay attention to what God is doing. Pay attention to the good things He's doing, even if they're really hard to find. You know, keep a journal. I think that um, when we can do that, then that keeps us then that keeps us hopeful. Um, I think that the saddest the saddest thing that I have seen is is women who get stuck in 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 being really angry and bitter and unable to see anything good in their life. And, and, not, and when everything's falling apart, it is really hard to see anything good in that. But sometimes if we can just look at the little things, you know, a friend that we made or relationships that we've built have been, are building because of what we've gone through or a way that we're going to be able to minister to, to someone else later, then that is huge because it keeps us hopeful. And then when it comes to... Um, to Moving forward, I would say that um, I've, I've learned this even recently, is that letting go of the old thing <clears throat> doesn't necessarily mean <clears throat> that we never have to examine it again. 
you know, sometimes it does come back to bite us. And, and then we have to deal with it on, the, on another level because I've had to do that. And I'm still doing that with some things. And that it, but that it can be, when we revisit, revisit it, we get to revisit it for the purpose of stepping forward even further. Like, okay, God, what are you going to teach me now? What do I need to, what do I need to address or what do I need to grieve over or whatever so I can, so that I can let go of this because I don't want to stay here. You know, I think the more that we let go of and the more we step, that we stop letting crisis be our comfort zone, the more we don't like feeling of it. Yes. <laughs> I like how I feel right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't really like crisis. I thought I yeah, did. But... I don't like what this brings out in me. I don't right. like how I'm, I don't like how I'm responding to, to things right now. I'm, and I resp- re- reacted to something a few months ago. I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I reacting like this? And so I think when it becomes more and more foreign, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, no, we want to become, we start seeing, when we start seeing a better version of ourselves come out, then we, um, we kind of want more of that, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's learning to be comfortable with a completely different version of ourselves. I don't think that's scary, too, is, is, um, that's something I would encourage people to um, to pay attention to. Also, is that you're going to be a different person, and and that's really scary. It's really scary to become when we don't recognize ourselves, even when we're behaving in a better way, or even when we're our relationships are getting healthier and our lives are getting a little more settled. It's it's, it's like who is this person? Who invited that girl? You know, and and so um, it's learning to be. Um, at peace with the new version of ourselves, and so um, I just encourage women to, who are in the midst of something or coming out of it right now to just ask God to help you be to help you embrace the new version of yourself. And in light of that, um, how has God restoried you in the past year? I realized that at this time last year, I was getting ready for suddenly single mom to release. I think I had just gotten my author copies and and was about and and was coming to grips with the reality that this was going to be out there. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> scary. Oh, no, what did I do? <laughs> People I know are going to read this, and so. Um, but since then, I've been able to see God use a really dark time to make a difference in other people's lives and to take a, um, a really, a time that I never thought that I would survive in one piece and have women say things like, it, 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 it revived my faith, it helped me reconnect with God. And I think that it has also, in the last year, I've also kind of gotten to a place where I realized that it's time to, you know, to start writing about other things. And and kind of examining that, you know, this, this chapter is, is in the past and I'll always, it'll always be part of my story. But then, but now what's next? What is God teaching me now? My, my word for 2017 is restore. And, and I'm seeing him and do that in very creative ways, unexpected ways of, of restoring you know, me as a person and relationships and, and what I expect out of life and, and I think, you know, learning that, I, finally being able to accept that, I guess, seeing myself as, as, I think I'm finally recognizing that I wrapped my value up in a lot of, a lot of the wrong things. And, um, 
but and learning I think there's something about having to rebuild your life and and go through a time of where you don't have any ministries to get involved in. You don't have anything to impress people with. You're divorced and bankrupt and living with your parents. <laughs> and, <laughs> and learning to be loved for just who you are. And and it was really hard to do that. But now that I've learned to and seen that I really could be loved for just who I am, that I don't have to do anything to impress people. I don't have to... Um, be this, you know, constantly overcoming something <laughs> that I am, um, I don't, I'm, I'm just kind of paying attention to what God is trying to teach me through that. And it, I, I notice that it makes it easier to love other people too when I'm not trying so hard to impress others that I am learning to accept others for who they are too, which is, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's, it's kind of changed the way I look at relationships and friendships and, and, life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's true and I I mean it, the cliche is there pain can either make us bitter or better and I think you know the degree in which it makes us bitter is the degree in which we walk away from the Lord and the degree to which it makes us better is the degree to which we press in. And I think um you know you've learned the power of that in the midst of this difficult situation. So I commend you for that and I'm so grateful that you've walk through and there's restoration on the other side and that other people can experience that as well. It's really good news. So Jeanette uh, actually has a, a an offer for our listeners, which is really fun. So if you can go to JeanetteHanscom.com, H-A-N-S-C-O-M-E, she'll have a post up there that will talk about um, Suddenly Single Mom and there, there's a giveaway there. Um, not for everybody, but uh, you can, I think, probably have a comment on there and she'll, I, th- I think that's yeah, how you're going to do it. Yeah, fine. Nathan, my youngest son, is my official drawing assistant, so he'll draw a name. <laughs> That's nice. Good job, Nathan. That's awesome. So, yeah, I thank you so much for being on the Restory Show. It's been such a blessing, and I think um, I think people who are walking through a, a trauma and a trial right now are going to get a lot from it. So, thank you so much thank for coming you. on, Jeanette. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord Jesus, thank you for the fact that you have intersected our lives and that even when things don't go as we expect them to, even if our lives turn out 100% different than what we expected or thought that they should be, you are still with us and you can still create an amazing story out of the ruins of the past. Even when people forsake us, even when people walk away from us, even when people turn their backs on us, even when people try to harm us, you are still there and you understand what it's like to be betrayed. So I'm just so grateful that the the end of our story is not written yet and that there's more to come. Father, would you just help us to see that you're at work today, that that even in despair, even in grief, and even in uh, mourning those lost expectations, that we would see that you are there, you're with us, you're holding our hand, you're holding us through this. Thank you for Jeanette's story, and thank you for the reminder that you are a big God and you love to redeem the past. And uh, help us today to live for you with joy and purpose in the present. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more information about today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash restory 3-11. And may you live a brand new story this week.